In this episode, we will be using BattleBards sound effects. Check them out, battlebards.com. And if you're signing up for a Prime account, be sure to use our code STACK to get a discount. Angry Riders. Sparks flew as the metal-shod hooves of the heavy horses pounded over the paving stones of Hartunstather. Six horses, broad of chest and already foaming around the bit, plunged down the street that led to the palisaded gate. The curious townspeople drifting toward the town center threw themselves onto the relative safety of the raised walks, pressing against the intricately carved walls of the buildings to avoid the rush. From atop her horse, the blonde woman with the severe face snarled and yelled something unintelligible as she leaned forward, her crop swishing with a buzz through the air. The Rindus men on the street didn't need to understand the rider's words. The slender crop spoke a language they could readily understand. The horses thundered across the planking of the bridge and out the gate, and the wide-eyed guards relaxed the white-knuckled grip on their spears only when the last twitching tail disappeared around the trail's bend. The scarlet-clad group rode this way for another minute or so, but even in her anger the woman was attuned to her mount, to the labored breathing and the flecks of foam flinging into the cool air. Even in her current rage, she knew the pace was not sustainable. She slackened the reins, then, as the pace slowed slightly, she ceased leaning over the flowing mane, feeling the pressure of her stomach against the saddle's pommel ease as she sat more upright. At length, she dropped to a trot, and her sword brothers followed her example. From somewhere behind her, one of the men grumbled and spat. She was disgusted, too. This was not what she had wanted. An idiot chieftain? Who would have guessed that was what awaited them? Viscar Was of repute in the region? He was supposed to be a leader of leaders. Yet when they had been ushered into the gloom of the Great Hall, he had drool on his chin and said not a word. All the talk had been by the stripling blackbeard with the smug face. How was that negotiating? She had held her peace, done her part for the order. What a waste of time. Oh, that Svein had listened and nodded, had murmured at the descriptions of the destructive power of magic, and had smiled ever so blandly as he responded. But the end result was not heartening. We shall see. She too nearly spat as she spoke aloud in mocking tones, her harsh voice soaking into the thick trees lining the path. Even the woods of this valley wouldn't let her be angry in a satisfying way. And oh, the encounter in the antechamber. She stiffened in her seat and would have visibly shaken had she been standing. But the motion of her sturdy horse masked the trembling. That insufferable little dwarf woman with the red hair. That odious man who stank to the heavens. That scaly abomination. And the insipid cipher with the head swaddling. They reeked of magic. The lot of them. It oozed from their pores and filled the chamber with a noxious scent that just about made her wretch, even here in the clean air. She squeezed her eyes shut and shook her head tightly, willing herself elsewhere. She must stay in control. Her men, the Order, needed her mind now. She cracked her eyes and looked ahead resolutely. 
She had grown up in a place much like this, though further south. There, on the border of Vondheide and Moriga, life had been easier. As she released her anger, she remembered summer nights spent lying under the stars in open pasture, wondering about the world away from her mountain. She drew in a breath, smelling once more the winters spent tending to sick animals and keeping the hay-close stalls mucked and clean. Her shoulders relaxed. She recalled her father and mother telling her they were moving, heading south to Moraga where life would be easier. It would be a new farm, with land purchased on the lower slopes of the east face of the Three Sisters Mountains. From their doorstep they would be looking across the rugged but beautiful moors, with warmer temperatures, and a journey of only a day or two to bring livestock to the gates of Flinmore. It was an ideal situation, they had told her. It might have been, too, had everything gone right. But no, hard times had found them instead, and the new farm had failed slowly, diminishing year by year as taxes went unpaid. And then came the day when the earth split. It started with a shake, an unsettling feeling of the solid earth moving underfoot. Then destruction as the mountain slopes above crumbled and sent rocks sliding downward, hissing and rumbling a coming destruction to the miserable little homestead in its way. A great tear in the earth seemed to open, stemming from the cold, dark hill some way off in the moor. And then she lost her memory. When she awakened, she was in a bed with bandages tight on her chest and a dull pain everywhere. No mother. No father. Just solicitous strangers who drifted in and out of a quiet room that smelled of strong salves. They would not answer her questions except to tell her that she was in Flinmore. As the days passed, she became aware that her parents were nowhere to be found, but her heart knew they were gone, and she was alone. In a bed nearby had been another affected by the destruction. A dwarf who had been traveling from the west side of the Three Sisters and nearly had been thrown from a mountain trail, but managed to cling with one good arm to a rocky outcropping until help had come. He was from a nearby Delve, a dwarf of the Iron Stag clan on the other side of the mountains, and he had been on a trade mission to Flinmore when the world came undone. Another dwarf sat with him for company. His clan head had made the trip in short order, watching him now through his recovery. It touched her to see the care and concern. In the absence of her parents, of anyone at all that she knew, her own heart ached with longing for one to lavish such attention on her. She pushed herself up on her elbow, and the movement caught the eye of the visiting dwarf. After some more quiet conversation, the clan head patted his ward firmly and stumped over to sit beside her bed, introducing himself as Finulf Ironstag. He held her hand as she slid back onto her pillow, and his warm eyes grew wet as he listened to her story. By the end, both were weeping. The days slid by. Many bandages were changed, and eventually she was strong enough to be released. She was packing her things, preparing to depart when she saw him again. He had come to ride home with his kinsmen, and had sought her out. I hear tell of strange things happening in Flinmore and beyond of things outside the bounds of nature, 
he had said. I've lost much in this earthquake, but the more I study it, the less sense it makes. Something more than as natural has happened, and something must be done to make sure it doesn't happen again. His eyes burned with an unnatural light. They bored into her and lit a spark within her. Yes, the way the earth had writhed had been terrifying and not at all natural. It had indeed been something beyond nature. Something had taken her parents from her, had left her desolate, and that force must be faced head on. She grabbed at his hand, begged to go with him. Her own face must have spoken to him, because he seemed to relent and stood, jutting out his beard toward her. You've given me an idea. We will face this. We will do it together. Her horse snorted suddenly, and this drew the captain of the Ritter Patrol back into the present. The mountain path bent sharply here, angling hard about a blind turn. To the left was a plunging slope that fell away steeply to the forest below. On the right side of the trail, a climb of only ten feet was a short cliff with loose rock along it. She reined in and raised her hand. The other riders came to a stop. Here... She swung down, paced this way and that, measuring distances with her eyes. One of the patrol looked at her in surprise. What do you mean? Do we not have orders to meet with the other chieftains to persuade them to join us? The captain knelt beside her horse. If we are heading north, they may be as well. Our directive is to travel the spine and gain support. It may be theirs is also. We will stop here and wait for them. We tether the horses further along the road. There, where the trail dips down and spreads out. But we climb above and wait. But what if they don't come this way? Said another. Then we get a rest out of it. Her voice was tight as her patience ran short. We could use it. And we have plenty of time left to us before we must return to report. Now are you going to question every order I give? There was a moment of silence, and then they began to work. Two led the horses to a place to graze. Two more began to help each other up the cliff, and the captain turned to face back in the direction from which they had come. Her face tightened into a smile. Let them come. Any who turned to magic would pay the price for it, and these would be the first. It's been a busy week of family time and celebrating Thanksgiving in the United States. There wasn't really enough time to edit our episode in the way that we like to, so I just wanted to put together a special episode that explains some things about what's going on right now in our story, giving a little extra dimension to whatever's going on. We should be back to actual play episodes starting next week, and we are enjoying telling it together. We look forward to seeing you at our table again next time, right here. Stack of Dice.